is Justin Haley driving the number 31 Collie Racing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. Hey guys, this is Sheldon Creed, driver of the number two wheel in Chevrolet for RCR Race. Hey everybody, this is Adam Alexander from NASCAR on Fox. This is Sam Mayer. You're listening to the You're listening to the Front Stretch Podcast with Brian. Brian Nova. people it is the week of may the 17th 2023 and on this episode of who pissed off ross chastain what's going on ladies and gentlemen um it is that time of year where i get to record outside so if you hear some birds you hear some cars you know what that's just nature's way of saying hello you know what else is going to be saying hello? That's Mr. Trey Lyle. You hear him on the Fast Lane with Ed Lane every single weekday. And you can hear him on the Front Stretch Happy Hour podcast every single week on the Front Stretch Podcasting Network. He's going to be co-hosting with me for the first time this year. We're going to be diving into Darlington. Why was it such a dull race until the end of Stage 2? And then we're going to get you geared up for North Wilkesboro. Yes, I would have told you a couple years ago, North Wilkesboro is going to be on the schedule. I would have probably slapped you senseless. And if you're Adam Cheek, I'm still going to be slapping you senseless. With that being said, we got a lot to talk about and a little time to do so. So, Trey, let's wave this green flag and kick it off, brother. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! Oh, yeah. Is trying and is going to be saying, hurry it up, hurry it up, hurry it up. He's got to watch his Miami Heat play in about 10 minutes from now, game number one, um, with Timothy Butler and company. You can follow him on Timothy. The- his name is Jimmy, so you, it's just Timmy. You yeah. said Timothy. Uh, it's tomato, tomato. Um, but with that being said, you can follow him on the Twitter at Trey Lyle underscore VT. That's the wrong. one. At Trey Lyle VT. That's it. Uh, you can find him on the Twitter at Trey Lyle VT. The one that I annoy the hell out of, Mr. Trey Lyle. How you doing, buddy? Well, as someone who's sat on the last couple of these because I edited it, I'm not editing out that mistake by you, but I'm excited <laughs> to uh, to join after a interesting, interesting weekend in Darlington where we had maybe the best race I've seen live in my life which was the Xfinity race, and then a mm-hmm. a uh, cup race where the biggest moment of the race I didn't see and had to kind of like put pieces together as it went out. And then I saw an unfiltered Rick Hendrick who was pissed off despite winning the race. Uh, so it was a, a very eventful weekend as well uh, with Dalton Hopkins at Darlington for throwback weekend. Oh, Mr. Dalton Hopkins. We're going to be talking with Dalton. He dove into his uh, our three-part segment interview to get up for Memorial Day with Al Nice from Nice Motorsports. Al was uh, he was in the military, so we're going to be talking some war stories. We're going to be talking Vietnam. We're going to be talking about him getting drafted. Um, it's going to be a fun, fun conversation, so stay tuned um, for that later in the program. But, Trey, I want, I want to talk about Darlington. Like you said, unbelievable race on Saturday. One of the best that I've seen in a long, long, long time. And I mean, it just, once again, it says just once again, the Xfinity series is the best, is the best series in NASCAR right now. And it's not even close to, um, and it's just not even close to debate. 
with that being said, diving into the cup race, there was so much momentum, 75th anniversary, people were getting honored. For the first two races, it was dull. It was nothing. It was almost as bad as Las Vegas was and Martinsville. I was talking to our content director, your co-host on Front Church Happy Hour, Michael Massey, and he said, there's no way, um, not no, no way in hell that's true. And I was like, yeah, it, it was. And then Barnes Truck Jr. decides to um, raise Ross Chastain a little bit too hard at the end of stage two, spins himself out, and all hell went to um, to the fan. And, well, we got more people pissed off at Ross Chastain. So, Trey, we're Well, gonna... I think it's a continuation of someone pissed off at Ross Chastain. I, will, I mean, I it's like a roulette wheel. Like, you just spin it, all the drivers are on, and it's like, who's going to be pissed this week? And, well, um, I think I think you, you have a couple guys that are tired of it. Cliff Daniels is one, Kyle Larson's the other, and I think Rick Hendrick is really, really angry, not just at Ross Chastain. I think he's mad at Justin Marks. Um, but w- let's, let's dive into it. William Byron won the race. We're going to get to Byron in, in a little bit because third win of the year already got um, the most wins of his career in one season already, and we're not even halfway. Um, but I want to talk about the um, penultimate restart. Larson's on the high side. Chastain's on the bottom. Chastain does not break going into one and two. Bumps into Larson. Gets himself, tags the wall, tags Larson. Larson doesn't let go after the racing incident. Um, we, Larry McGrimms on NASCAR on Fox after the race said he saw the SMT data. Chastain did not lift at all. And I know it's, I, I, I know that we're, they're trying to win, but you just don't like stop. And I, I, I don't get what he was doing there. I mean, you being there, were was I watching something that is different than what you were seeing in person? Um, well, as someone who had to watch the replay of it after the fact, because I was trying to, I was at the care center with Martin Truex Jr., and then all of a sudden, I see Ross Chastain walk into it, and I have no idea what happened. Um, watching it back and kind of getting explained, it, it really looks like he's like, I'm going to use Larson to break, <laughs> is kind of what his philosophy was he was going to try to throw a slide job but he didn't have enough room and spun across his nose for ross who makes these aggressive moves i i think personally this was probably more on the aggressive side i think that's why you're seeing it justin marks come out and say we need to figure out the perfect you know kind of balance with it um my biggest kind of takeaway from all of this is like one this is you know three last four races Ross is right, Kyle Kyle Larson. Two of which you could argue he could have won the race, which would be Dover and Darlington. And uh, you never know at Talladega, but Dover and Darlington, he had one of the fastest cars. And then, you know, it, it cost Ross a chance at the win. This guy hasn't won in a year. It was coming off a week where he was the talk of the sport. And if he won that race, like that would have been big for him and his team leading the championship and so be it. And um, I think there's so many different tentacles to this one story where that's a new word. That's a new uh, word. I I know, but like, let's, let's break it down. So there's the Ross side of this and it's, it's Ross going back at it again, but like, how does this affect Ross? Well, Ross got the worst finish out of it. He, he was the one out of the race. Uh, It pissed another driver off on him. And then there's the Kyle Larson aspect of it where, I mean, Larson probably could have two or three more wins this year um, just because of bad luck. He could be, I still think he's the championship favorite. We had this discussion on the Happy Hour podcast about 
is William Byron, who went on to win the race, like the best in the field right now, just the way their team is acting. And I said, no, I still think it's Kyle Larson. That's the person I'm going to pick to win the championship. I think he's figured out this car and everyone needs to watch out. And, you know, a lot of the mistakes or reasons he hasn't won has not been his doing to have been because of Ross Chastain. And I think the biggest is Rick Hendrick has now stepped into the fray and watching that press conference as someone who's been to a lot of post-game press conferences, whether it's in football, basketball, um, you know, and obviously in NASCAR, like for a guy who won, he was pissed. Like, and I've seen a multitude of Hendrick drivers win races. And I think this is the first time where I really saw Rick up there. It was typically Jeff Gordon or someone, or um, I'm forgetting the guy's name off the top of my head, but it's typically not Rick. Like Rick hasn't done these that often, or it seemed like, cause Jeff was with him. Like he had a, he was coming up there with a purpose and Dustin Long teed it up and he asked him the question. And I, I think, you know, he, he basically was like, you know, you can't win a championship if you have all these guys needing to pay you back. And um, that part, I think we can argue about. I might disagree with that part because the guy made the championship four and there's a lot of guys, quote unquote, had payback coming to him. Um, but I, I think the most damning thing was the shot across the bow to Trackhouse where, you know, they asked, he's Ross is a Chevrolet driver. And the exact quote is, I don't care if he's driving a Chevrolet. If he wrecks our cars, I don't care. And I told Chevrolet that if you wreck us, you're, get, you're going to get it back. If you, if you don't do it, then they will run all over you. Like that is a th- shot across the bow. And there's no one more important to Chevrolet when it comes to NASCAR than Rick Hendrick. And it's just interesting to see like the first time ever, Justin Marks reigns, you know, quote unquote says we need to rein Ross in is after Rick Hendrick's like, this needs to stop. And um, it, uh, that was my biggest takeaway from it was not the on track incident between Larson and, and Chastain. I think that's just Ross made a big mistake and, you know, Larson for being a calm dude was pissed and didn't want to talk to anyone. But the biggest thing is Rick, like, this has gotten to the point where Rick Hendrick is stepping in. And that is something I don't know if I would say I ever expected, but it does. It, it did surprise me a lot. I mean, he can race as many, he can, he can race as many drivers as you want aggressively, as long as they're not Chevrolets apparently. And, um, and here's the thing, like we, we saw it back in the day, Michael Massey had a great article, not a great article. We had a great um, opinion about this on the happy hour podcast about Harvick and when he was with RCR and they were going back and forth um, with Chevrolet and Chevrolet always has had HMS's back. And I feel like when sure the first time was okay, that was, that was just racing to the second time. Uh, okay. Third time. Okay. We got to watch out. We got to, we're going to take a step back. And I, th- I think we, we heard Justin Marks comments on Sirius XM NASCAR radio channel 90. Um, I think was Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. And um, he said that he's going to have to be less aggressive. And, and I, I do wonder if we would see this type of fallout trait, if it was a Toyota driver, like Christopher Bell, or if it was a Ford driver, like let's say he wrecked Derek Amarola, would it be different? I mean, I, I, I feel like that's a very valid debate. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, 
the fact it was Kyle Larson. Um, and, and for Ross, like, he's leading the championship, and that doesn't get talked about. Exactly. He's leading the points. Um, and he's coming off a week where, like, if he won, he would have been, like, it would have capped a perfect week for him, sort of. He defended himself against Noah. He landed the punch, and then he wins the race. And I think it'd be the perfect week for him. Like, if we break this down, like, there's six laps to go when the restart happens. He does not need to pull off the move like he did. Like, plain and simple, there was enough time in that race where, and I get with Arrow, you might not have been able to get right around him, but even if you got that second place finish, like, that's huge. That's That's a huge finish. Like, that increases your championship lead where a hot coming William Byron, a Christopher Bell who had a good finish, like, if you want to win the regular season championship, you have to, like, consider that. And and I I actually think about it like this, too. Like, imagine if that was a playoff race. Like, Ross could have cost him a spot in the championship in the next round by pulling off a move like that. So... I think Ross needs to learn from this. I think this is like one of the times where his aggression crossed the line. Like sometimes it's just moving a guy out of the way and he maybe does that a little too hard. That's not as bad as what he did here. Um, So I got to give, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. I I think Ross is going to change. Um, He's becoming less apologetic about it, which is good, I guess, because I'm getting tired of the I'm sorry's and I think a lot of people are. And he's realizing, like, this is my driving style. I'm just going to do it. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. In other news, William Byron took advantage of it and won a third race of the season. First first three-time winner in the Cup Series this season. Um, Obviously, we saw the dump and run last year with uh, Joey Logano and himself. Uh, seventh win of his career first at Darlington, the third of the year. Um, have you seen something different with William Byron this season? I'm I'm waiting to see because he really could have won three rate. Like I think it's it's finally seeing the consistency we we want over the summer months. Um, it, it seemed like last year he got out of the gate quick. Probably could have won an additional race. But then, you know, we hit the summer and it, it kind of lulled. So at this point, like, he got that third win. Like, think about this. Like, it would have been the same scenario if he won Darlington last year. Like, he would have had three wins. And 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 so I, I want to see, like, I think getting this redemption is going to be big for him. But I think he's one of the four fastest cars. Uh, I think it's the one, the five, the... 24 and the 20 are right now probably, you know, the four fastest. Um, and I just, and the 20 is kind of lying under the radar in that group. But I will see. I, I really, I really want to see. It's weird to say, like, I'd rather, I want to see William Byron get four or five wins, like string it together throughout the summer. Um, and I think if he does that, he, you know, he would be leading the regular season point standings if he didn't have a penalty. Let's say he finished because of that. He finished like second or third in the regular season. He gets four wins and has a good playoff cushion. 
then I'm like, all right, this is this is it. This is the moment we'll see him make the championship four run like he's supposed to. Um, but I, I need to see it first, just because last year I was very sold on him, and he he definitely disappointed me coming down the stretch. And I I think with me, and I think is all right. You're not going to fool me twice. I need to see this happen. Trey, any final thoughts before not not the final thought segment, but any final thoughts on Darlington before we head out uh, to our interview for part one of three with Al Nice and Nice Motorsports? We talked about this on Happy Hour, um, but I, I want to ask you: like, do you think the Throwback Weekend should stay? Because that was like maybe the other like takeaway from this weekend. Um, Xfinity race was great. Uh, I think that was a racing deal the end um probably more on john hunter than larson but ultimately like the other big thing that was talked about was like um should the throwback weekend stay like i I like it but like i feel like it's becoming more and more just you know okay it's throwback weekend woo like we, we didn't get like any like up we didn't get any like throwback scene to like what like two weeks before or like a month before i mean like it wasn't like it wasn't like out of crazy control um but i mean like i still like it because kind of what dalton was saying like it's cool for like the diecast people like myself like i mean we're not fans anymore but i still like diecast cars and everything and when i have kids in a few years or in a couple years from now whenever and my son um hopefully i have a son um when he's like three, four, five-ish, he's going to want to play with diecast cars. And, um, I mean, this just creates more opportunity for it. But, I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't like what Denny says, like, make it like every five years. But I, maybe, like, maybe every other year or something. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to run out of paint schemes. But, like, it, it feels like we're just going through the motion, you know? Yeah, I just feel like NASCAR dropped the ball on it. I think it should stay. I, I also want to give a shout-out to Bubba. Bubba got back-to-back top fives. Um he was running second and third and then a bad pit stop. Um, I, I think, um, and then weird scoring thing. He was pissed off at after about the race, but he's got himself back into the playoff, uh, playoff picture. Like I believe he's 15th. And uh, I think that's a guy who's had shown a lot of speed this year and is kind of running, kind of running under the radar the way he's he's going of late, I would not be shocked if he breaks off a win very very soon. Maybe even at Charlotte, for example, during the Coke Six Hundred. Um, but I, I'm look, I'm uh, I'm seeing Bubba, and I'm I'm like, all right, this is finally the time where he'll make a postseason run. One thing I was a little bit um, snippy about was like, why the hell wasn't the seventy five greatest drivers like ceremony? Why wasn't that like streamed or televised or anything? I mean, like, what what are we doing? Like, I, I was um, uh, hearing about what Noah Lewis was saying. By the way, big thanks to Noah Lewis at TSJ Sports for coming on the Happy Hour podcast. Big big uh, shout out to my my homeboy there. Um, but like, he was right. Like, why wasn't it streamed? Like, there was no reason for it not to be streamed. So I, I don't know why it wasn't. Um, but that was, that was my one, one big, uh, you know, it was a little weird with that being said, Trey, let's stay right here. When we come back, we're going to be playing part one of the three part interview that our adult hot did with Brownie. What's up, everyone? Don Hopkins with frontstretch.com here, and I have a very special guest today. So first off, starting 
as some of you may already know, uh, I am currently serving in the United States Army, and this weekend is a very special one to me, and of course to all veterans and all families of uh, those who served out there. And today's guest is the owner of Nice Motorsports in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, Al Nice. Al, many of you don't, many many folks don't know that you were actually once a Marine Corps, or excuse me, once a Marine in the United States Marine Corps, and you know, you go in the garage, all of your haulers, and I did not notice this until Ross Chastain told me this, that uh, <laughs> all the Marine Corps, all the Globe and Anchor flags are flying above uh, those those haulers in your garage. And uh, I never noticed that until now, but I'll, I'll go ahead and get started here. You know, tell me about your childhood growing up. Where were you born? What were you like? And when were you born? A uh, long time ago in... Uh, born in 45 uh, in northern Indiana. Grew up in the snow country, and my folks moved to Albuquerque uh, oh, when I was in high school. I have two other brothers, younger, and uh, finished high school in Albuquerque. And uh, uh, bummed, uh, I don't want to say bummed around, but ran around with a bunch of hot rodders. Ended up down in uh, Austin, Texas, uh, working at a marina, and uh, got my draft notice, and did not want to go to the army, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps. What made and, you want? Uh, sorry, what, what made you not want to do the army? I wanted to be with the A team. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> so uh, went in and. June of 66, and uh, at that time, they had a program that uh, you could enlist for two years in the Marine Corps. At that time, it was either three or six, and uh, wanting to be a Marine, but I didn't know if I wanted to be a Marine that long, so uh, uh, I went off to Pendleton, and and also at that time, they boot camp went from uh, 12 weeks, I think, to eight. So uh, train them up, ship them out. And uh, so, as you know, you you get into the boot camp and they give you all these tests. And and, uh, I was for OCS, but I deferred that thinking that, you know, how can you really lead if you don't know what troops are going through? Mm-hmm. As it was, I shipped over January 2nd of 67 and uh, got to Okinawa and they put me off the ship for a few weeks. Um, I am not a good garrison Marine, so they ended up sending me where it's supposed to go in the first place. Ended up with uh, 3rd Motor T in Fubai and... Uh, and the shit hit the fan in uh, March, and I was a replacement set up to the DMZ with 3rd Marines, Lee Company 3-3. And we were all along 9, which is right below the DMZ, from Dong Ha all the way to uh, 9 went into uh, Laos. And so we that was our area of responsibility, Leatherneck Square, between Jean Lin and Kantian. 
So it was a garden spot. Uh, rank came quick, easy. Uh, boot camp to uh, E5 in uh, 16 months. So uh, uh, it was uh, it was uh, exciting, life changing. Uh, one of the oldest, I think, guys. The platoon sergeant was older than I was, and I was 22. And my lieutenant, I had one lieutenant younger and two lieutenants older by just a few months. So I had three lieutenants, my two were over there. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be par for the course. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially in those days. But, uh, you know, at, you got you got a little ahead of me there, but can you tell me about kind of about before you before you were drafted, your love for cars. You said you were with a bunch of hot rodders. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I had a '53 Studebaker. I put a Chevy in, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't street legal, but uh, back then in the '60s, early in the '60s, a lot of people, a lot of guys, build our own stuff, and uh, uh, you know that was it. And I got exposed to uh, sprint cars with uh, Don Maxwell. We made a Maxwell four bar. Jan Opperman drove it. This was a long time ago. And uh, so I was always a, a gearhead. And uh, uh, once I got out of the Corps, uh, I came close to making a career out of it. Uh, got back to uh, Austin and uh, had a drag boat for a while and I had a sprint car and a late model and uh, so I was I think sprint car was the last one I had that I ran got married and uh, had to make a living and so all the speed stuff had to get put to the side you know I guess it was about seven years ago when kids are going and growing and uh Decided if I was going to do anything, I needed to do it now. Bought a truck, a NASCAR truck, mm -hmm. and uh, put a young driver in it. Had illusions that I could possibly get qualified to drive just a few races, but it was, I was going to have to invest more time than I felt like I could. So I just bumped into uh, Cody Eiffel and uh, started Nice Motorsports. And it's uh, grown to what it has. We're a competitor this year. Uh, we're only seven years old. The last two years, we've made the playoffs. And so with Carson, and of course we're at, we're in it again mm -hmm. this year because we won. We've already won a race. So, uh, but that's it. Yeah, I was I was gonna say now I, I want I'm gonna go back again, but uh, real fast, you bought. You see, you made the team so that you could drive. Well, I was—I had illusions of that. <laughs> uh, once I, uh, yeah, I bought the truck. I was going to call the team IRA because I took the money out of my IRA to buy the truck. Right. But I said, nah, I don't want to do that. So, uh, if you're proud of something, put your name on it. So that's how these more sports came about. How how old were you when you when you made the team? 
178 now. So, so it had seven to have been, yeah, had to, oh, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, Norm Benning just made a start at 71 years old. So I'm, yep. it's not impossible. You could have done it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's been at it a little bit longer than that. So. I mean, I guess so, but. And by the way, Norm Benning is also a veteran. He he flew uh he flew helicopters, if I'm not mistaken, in the Air Force. Um, but so I don't he know what. Has a cross bear, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a he's got to deal with living in the Air Force uh, for all yeah. his life. But um, going back again, um, so did you know? You know, obviously things were getting hot in the in the mid '60s, around '65 is when we got involved with Vietnam. Did you know that the draft was coming, and did you just kind of like feel like that you were going to get drafted? Oh, I had a feeling it was coming because uh, mm-hmm. I lost my student deferment. And, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it was a good decision. I, I, I've never regretted a day of it. Uh, uh, and I'm still active with a bunch of reserves. And uh, we put a, a memorial together at the Marine Museum for our company. I was on that committee and, and we get together, uh, our battalion gets what's left of it gets together every other year. There's about 10 or 12 of us that, uh, stay in very close touch. In fact, some of them come to the races. So, uh, uh, it's, uh, I enjoyed my time in Marine Corps and enjoyed being Marine. So no regrets whatsoever. Red is, what our government's doing to the, all the men and women in the service right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's disgusting. So, but, uh, I digress. So, but it was, uh, well, it was a, a, a different time back in the sixties, seventies. Mm-hmm. When, when you got that draft letter, I mean, was it despair or you, was it indifference? It was indifference. Uh, mm. I'm going to go, so, like I said, I want people to be 18, so. Roger that. So, you yeah. <laughs> you you looked at the Army, and you were like, nah, or, what, was, did you see, like, an ad, or how did you know that the Marine Corps was, uh, in, obviously, me being an Army guy, so I'm going to say, quote, unquote, the A-team? Uh, well, you know, it was a small unit. And, uh, of course, the Marine Corps has always been a smaller unit. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be more towards the action. And my fear of getting into any other branch of the service was I'd be stuck in something that, uh, not that the infantry, I was a buck plate, so not that the infantry trained you for any future uh, career, but I wanted to be where the action was. Instead of being in the Army or... Uh, Air Force or even the Navy, uh, I did not want to be uh, sidelined. I want to be at the point of the spear, and uh, we sure as hell were. So, man, Roger that. So you you wanted the? I mean, you got that draft letter, and you were like, "No, nah, I want to get some." You didn't you didn't want to yeah. be a pencil pusher or anything. No, no, no. didn't want to be a Remington Raider. Man, uh, just uh, in fact, these. Uh, I was a ham radio operator, so when they give us Morse code and all that, I blew that. I knew what answers I didn't want to answer. <laughs> and, uh, but mechanical aptitude came out, and they were going to make me a 3,500 truck mechanic. And uh, 
that went by the wayside when they put me in Okinawa. So, uh, but I, I finally got to the troops, and that's where I wanted to be. So, uh, I was with a rifle company, but we did have a recon element. We journeyed, uh, 12 of us went across border a couple of times. So, mm-hmm. that makes it exciting. I mean, you do things at a younger age when you think you're bulletproof. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, my biggest, I mean, it, it was, I hate using the word exciting. Combat is, uh, get your heart pumping pretty Yes, quick. it does. It, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it gets the adrenaline pumping, uh, for sure. But gives you, uh, so I'm an Intel, I'm just an Intel officer. But, oh, yeah. That wouldn't have been a good one I'd liked. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's good to hear. Um, but, yeah, I... Uh, we seem to push the intel up, and we never got anything back. Yeah, um, we've changed that a little bit. Uh, we, we've gotten better at that, I promise you. Um, <laughs> um, we, we learned a lot from Vietnam, and, uh, you know, I just... You, you learn a lot about history. You look at history, and you kind of learn a lot of the mistakes that were made. And, uh, you just, failure is the greatest teacher as, uh, as I like uh, yeah. to hear. Yeah, we, uh, we were around Kalu area, which is right on 12, right up in the mountains. Mm. And, uh, about every time we'd send a patrol out, we'd get hit. And, uh, several years later, um, uh, and I've become a, a student of Vietnamese history over the years. I really enjoyed it. But uh, I'll take groups back to Vietnam. I haven't done it in a few years, but I was going back every few years with a bunch of vets. I even took uh, uh, some of the guys I was with and our wives went back to the Marine Corps Ball several years ago in Hanoi. And that was a trip. But one of our trips, uh, we were back up on the uh, DMZ. Our guide, uh, we were at close to our base camp. I said, we used to patrol out this way. I said, oh man, it's Buku VC. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're telling us 30 years later. We had to find out the hard way. But I'm saying, you know, we'd send those reports in and nobody would ever send anything back saying, well, uh, that grid's going to have possible contact. So, but, uh, <laughs> Buku VC becomes, yeah, you're going to get uh, possible contact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh almighty. They call them meeting engagements. Yeah. Gosh almighty. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get back to that. But let's let's go back to your basic training. So everyone's, you know, a lot of people have probably seen that, that famous movie Full Metal Jacket with uh, Arlie Ermey yeah. and everything. Yeah. So was it, I mean, was that kind of like what basic training was like? What what, what was it like for you? Uh, it, was, it was quick, you know. Uh, you know, I, there was some of that movie that was very, very realistic. Some of it, of course, wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, As all Hollywood movies are. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, I thought, uh, for the most part, the, the boot camp portion of it was pretty accurate. When they got, when they were supposed to be in way and all that, that's bullshit. That was not what mm-hmm. way was like. Uh, and, but some of the patrols and some of the, I don't know where it was filmed, but uh, some of it was pretty realistic. I mean, some of the 
some of these movies have jungle scenes that are filmed in California. That right. vegetation is not in Southeast Asia, I can tell you. Right. But uh, uh, I thought uh, Platoon was another one that was pretty gritty. Really? But, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, we never had the problems that they like to depict that, uh, well, with a line company and Marines, we didn't have a drug problem. There was no place to get it. Now, if the beer rations come out and you've got a couple of the guys' beers, I mean, you've been out weeks. I mean, we stayed in the field. We didn't ever go back to Dong Hong. We lived in fighting holes. And uh, mm. uh, you get a beer ration and a couple of beers, you got a buzz on. So there wasn't anything getting hammered, you know. And occasionally somebody would come back off leave would have a joint or something. And it was handled rather harshly within uh, the ranks. You know, there's, we, and we were never full strength. Right. Uh, a TO squad in, in the Marines uh, was 21. And that's picking up guns, weapons, and men mm-hmm. like Corman. Uh, I never had more than 12. So you're running about. And this is the, this is for a platoon? Uh, squad. Oh, a squad. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, platoon had uh, well three fire teams to a platoon. Okay. And three, uh, a three fire teams to a squad, three squads to a platoon. Gotcha. And uh, then you picked up guns and weapons, or mm-hmm. picked up guns, rockets, or corpsmen, and uh, uh, we never went out to with less than twelve, but. You weren't supposed to count the corpsmen. You weren't supposed to count guns and rockets. And, and uh, so we're running about 50% strength on our patrol, on our squad patrols, and acting like 20. So, so and, and this was uh, during your time in Dong, was it Dong Ha? Well, yeah, west of Dong Ha. Gotcha. So it runs parallel to the DMZ. Okay. So it's my understanding that Route 9 was a, uh, that was a pretty heavy route. It, it, was it was it mostly NVA or was it Viet Cong that you were fighting? Uh, we, were, we were fighting uh, North Vietnamese. Roger. Okay. So, so uniform personnel, basically, for those of you that yep. don't know, the NVA were the North Vietnamese regular army, whereas the Viet Cong were more of the... Um, guerrilla. Guerrilla forces, right. The, the irregular army. Uh, that was found them farther south. Yes, and they're the ones that were in the South Vietnam. They're the ones. It, it, I almost compare it to something like what the Taliban does, or or what it, what the Taliban used to do, or maybe Al Qaeda. Whereas the NVA is more of a a regular, actual like uniformed army. So you're fighting the NVA, and it, from my understanding, that Route Nine was one of the uh, that was one of the biggest routes that the NBA used to try to infiltrate the South. So, Well, it ran east-west. It went from uh, South China Sea all the way to uh, Laos. So to this day, even it's a main trade route, mm-hmm. highway, a two-lane highway. Roger. Uh, but uh, they came, uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail came down out of the north and went across the northwest portion 
of South Vietnam and got into Laos and then paralleled the border and then came back, back into South Vietnam at several points, one being uh, below uh, uh, Quezon, a little bit below Quezon. Mm-hmm. So you had that valley and the army was down there. So we had a, there was a lot of contact uh, meeting engagements. That, uh, and then you had the hill fights, uh, 881 North, 881 South, 861. That, uh, and then, they, of course, they had the siege at, at uh, Quezon in early 68. So, uh, right. But we had meeting engagements, uh, some hellacious ambushes there on, on the hill fights. So, uh, I'll, I'll, with the NBA, they didn't back off. <laughs> yeah. It was an engagement. Once again, that was Al Nice of Nice Motorsports with our Mr. Dalton Hopkins. Big thanks to my boy, Dalton Hopkins. Trey, um, let's dive back into um, this program of the show. Um, it's going to be a fun weekend, my friend. North Wilkesboro's back. Are you excited? Yes, yeah, so this is a track that raced, uh, last time it raced, I was negative one years old. Oh. Um, so I've never been alive for a North Wilkesboro race. Um, so I've, n- at least in NASCAR, they did that like late model race. Um, and obviously the one last year, they kind of really started the all-star race thing. I'm pumped for it. Um, it's going to be an old school race, tire wear, tire management, um, short track, like I think it's the perfect all-star race for NASCAR 75th anniversary. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why the throwback weekend kind of lacks some luster because they're throwing it back this weekend too. sort of, you know, it's an SMI and NASCAR track, two different things. They weren't going to give the quote unquote throwback weekend to SMI. Um, but I- I'm pumped for it. Um, as a way to preview it, it's Kuiper race where I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I have an idea of kind of like the skill set of drivers. I think could do well. And I think the format's nice with, I think it's 200 laps. Um, you get, uh, like it's a hundred, then you stop and then it's a hundred and you get one set of tires for the last hundred laps, something like that. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it and it should be a good one. Trace, how did we get here? Let's let's dive into it. December 2019, Dale Jr. and his friends, they grabbed some uh, weed whackers. Trust me, I know those. Um, to clean up North Wilkesboro with a desire to uh, preserve the track for eye racing. So then you go down all the way to May. COVID-19 happened in 2020. Um, so um, they had the NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series race held at the new virtual North Wilkesboro. One year later, North Carolina received $5.7 billion in federal funds by the president uh, under the America Rescue Plan Act. Um, Following that up in November, allocated uh, by Governor Roy Cooper $18 million to go towards the North Wilkesboro Speedway as part of the 2022 budget. In August of 2022, the racing returned to North Wilkesboro, hosting modified and mini stocks. And then in September, NASCAR announced that the All-Star Race will be held at North Wilkesboro on May the 21st, 2023, Trey. Yeah, so Dale Jr. was the guy, you know, pesking uh, Marcus Smith constantly like, hey, we want it. I want to get back to North Wilkesboro. He's like, 
he was the one that quote unquote preserved it in iRacing. And then ultimately some federal funding came the right way where I think it went to all three big tracks in North Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, it went to Charlotte, Rockingham and North Wilkesboro. And it was kind of the exact funding that was needed in order to get this going. And I think this could be a perfect all-star venue. I'm glad they didn't repave it. um, And they kept the old surface. I think, with this car and the way the short pack short track package is, this might provide the best racing. Um, I like how they're doing all these late model races, especially the cars tour with Kevin Harvick, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like all these stars of the sport. It, it, this has felt like the first real all-star race week. Cause if you go back, you remember they would think all-star week, they would always do the like prelude. They would do that Wednesday night pay-per-view for like 39 99. Yeah. They would do the, the pit crew challenge, which, they're making a part of the race. I, I think this feels more like an all-star race, all-star week than it has in the past where it was at Bristol. And, and you know, thank God it's not at Texas. So I, 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 I'm pumped for it. Let's talk about the format, Trey. Friday, you got practice qualifying for the pit crew challenge. Saturday, the trucks are racing. And then you got the all-star heat races. Heat races, 60 laps each. The results of heat one will be setting the all-star race to the inside row. The results of heat race will be setting the all-star race on the outside row. Now, before that pit crew challenge, qualifying will be based on the pit stop time. Only four tires, pit stop, no fuel. Those results are going to determine the starting lineup set for the heat races. And then they're going to also determine the all-star open uh, starting lineup. Flash Flash forward to Sunday, the All-Star Open, 100 laps, competition break on or around lap 40. Top two finishers will be transferring to the All-Star Race, and the fan vote winner will be transferring uh, to the All-Star Race as well. Now, the All-Star Race field, 2022 and 2023 NASCAR Cup Series points race winners, past All-Star Race winners and NASCAR Cup Series champions, All-Star top two finishers, and then the fan vote winner. Now, the format? 200 laps, you start on sticker tires, get three additional sets in the pit box. All laps count, overtime rules are in effect, and the competition break on or around lap 100. After the competition break, only one additional set of sticker tires may be used. Trey, I love this format. Basically, it's 100 laps, take a break, another 100. Yeah, and my guess is they'll only use one tire set in the first stage one tire set in the second stage and that third tire set will be the emergency tire set if a guy blows a tire because you want to keep racing so i'm pumped for it i mean this is as old school as you you can get this is old school old school short track where you need to save your stuff um i i expect some guys to do pretty well in this and i expect some guys to maybe look fast for the first 15 20 laps and then we've never really used to like saving their stuff which you really don't have to do in these cars anymore. Um, I, I think just because of how, like, this is the most worn out service by far on the circuit. And I, I think this is, I'm hoping, at least I'm hoping it sets up to be like this. Cause if it's, if it's like Martinsville and you know, where we don't see passing. No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. at I, all. I am. Oh, no. I, I'm, let me finish. This is then, positive vibes only. Then this is, we are in a very, very dangerous spot. 
Okay, let's do our race picks. We're going to be picking the two of the top finishers for the All-Star Open, and then you can do your fan vote as well, and then who's going to be winning the All-Star All-Star race as a result. Oh, I have to look at the field. Um, I'll go Josh Berry because he's in the 48 in the Open. I, I, uh, uh, we were The big debate last week was uh, if Josh Berry was going to make, you know, just made the All-Star race because he was in the 48. But I think Josh Berry, I think, you know, probably the guy who's the, I would argue, one of the best at saving his stuff just because of his skill set in late models. Um, mm-hmm. So so I think I will go with Josh Berry as I am, uh, you know, delaying this and trying to find <laughs> the entry list here. Uh, there we go. I got it. All right. And, oh, um, that's I love when my co-hosts come prepared. And, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't. I knew I was going to give a race pick. I didn't know I had to give open picks as well. Okay. Um, I'll cut you a I break. Will, I will go with. I'm going to go under the radar here. I think because of his skill set. I'm going to go Corey LaJoy. I think Spire okay. showed some top 15, top 20 speed. And uh, I, I'm I'm kind of down to him, Eric Amarola, Justin Haley, and maybe McDowell. And I'm leaning LaJoy just because of how – oh, I forgot. Wait a minute. Timeout. Ty Gibbs is in this. Oh, uh, Ty Lord. Gibbs and Josh Berry. That's my two picks. I'm going to go with the two fastest cars by far. And, yeah, sorry. I forgot Ty Gibbs is in this. So, yeah, Ty Gibbs and Josh Berry. I'm going to go with Josh Berry. We know Gregson. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's going to be an, an inevitable. With no, with Noah. Um, for my picks, I'm going to go. Obviously, I don't want. I mean, Ty Gibbs has shown strength, and he's getting better and better. I mean, this is his first full time season, so I'm going to go with the 54 car. Um, the second one, I really want to pick Josh Berry. I, I I'm going back and forth, but honestly, I got a good feeling about that 41 car, Ryan Priest. He was really good at the Clash, which is a short track. Um, and he, he, he's bread and butter with his, from his, um, New England days, New Hampshire. Uh, that's not a short track, but that's where he uh, grew up and everything at Stafford Speedway as well. That's a short track. I'm going to go Ryan Priest. And then I think Noah Gregson's going to get the job done and, uh, win the fan vote, uh, for, for the people. That being said, Trey, um, you're the guest. You go first. Who's walking out North Wilkesboro, a winner, um, and million dollars richer. So I'm going with. The 29 car this week. There's a 29 car? Oh, yeah. I'm going with Kevin Harvick. This race screams Kevin Harvick's skill set. There is no one better at saving his stuff than Kevin Harvick in the series. I think Kevin Harvick will be Mr. Where did he come from? The closer is back. He will not lead... The first three fourths of that race, he will he might be in the top five, top ten, and then that last three fourths of the race, he he and Rodney Childress figure it out perfectly, and it's Mister Where did he come from? Back and Kevin Harvick wins his final All Star race in the twenty nine. And you know. And shame on NASCAR. I'm I'm looking at their entry list. They still have him as a number four car. And they do. They- like what the hell, NASCAR? Come on, um, Kevin Harvick's a great pick. It really is. Um, but I'm gonna go with the guy that at every single new track that we have gone to in the past three years, I feel like he's won his debut. He won the Clash Coliseum when it first started. He won at Gateway, and I think he's gonna win in North Wilkesboro. Joey Logano Jr. the third. Joey Logano is marking 
It's going to be my pick. I'm going Team Penske in the number 22. I know Ford's been struggling this year, Trey. I'm going with the 22 car, though. Yeah, at least Kevin Harvick's been good at short tracks we've been to. Joey is not. Joey, I know, finished second at Martinsville. That was more out of luck. That dude was slow most of that race. Um, but I, I could see why. You're going with history here. I, I can understand that. Um, but, yeah, I'm riding with Kevin Harvick. I think it's a great uh, pick. Ford, really Ford wasn't that great. I know they won the championship, but Ford was a little slow last year, and they won the all-star race as well with Ryan Blaney. Um, so, But uh, I'll see. I, th- I think Kevin Harvick's the, the way to go. Trey, set the music. Go on up to some checkered flag or some final thoughts, brother. Checkered flag, here I come. Oh, no! Final thoughts are in the air. Final thoughts are in the air. Mr. Trey Lyle, whatever you want to rant, rave, or anything in between, my friend, the floor is yours. Um, I know this is a NASCAR podcast, but I think we need to recognize that the Formula One race basically had to be canceled this week because of flooding in Italy. Um, so I, I just want to say, you know, good for F1 to be ahead of it. I know they probably couldn't have a race, but kept safety in mind. Um, I, I know they're trying to assist, um, in, in Imola. So, uh, you know, just thinking of those people, um, uh, you never want to see that happen because those are always events for them. I hope they get the race rescheduled. Once this gets cleared up, and I know I'm bringing F1 into a NASCAR podcast, but I think this 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 works. Exactly. So when when I was when I was getting up for Sunday, I obviously texted my mother said Happy Mother's Day, and then I was like, Oh, they're they're going with NASCAR greatest seventy five drivers, and looked on NASCAR.com, looked on the YouTube NASCAR page. There's no stream, and they were, and then I see the pictures coming out, and they did not stream it for everybody in attendance. And then our own Dalton Hopkins and Trey Lau went to Darlington, and they're supposed to hear from everybody, from Casey Kane, from Carl Edwards, from, from Greg Biffle, from Ryan Newman. And, and we got a lot of them. We got great content from Casey Kane. We got some great content from Greg Biffle. We didn't get to hear from Jim Johnson. We get, didn't get to hear from Jeff Gordon until after the race. And unfortunately, we really didn't, didn't get to hear from Carl Edwards. That's who I really wanted to hear from, what he's doing and everything. Sure, we got to hear him in the Fox booth. But we did not get to see uh, and hear about what he's doing off the racetrack we haven't heard from him what seven years and then we actually get a chance and we don't get to hear from him it's a little disappointing so i i feel like maybe in 25 years and nascar's 100th 100th anniversary and maybe the 100 greatest drivers we get to hear from every single one of those 100 that are still present and are still healthy until then it was a little disappointing and i wish nascar did a little bit better with that being said, boy, oh boy, what a fantastic episode this program was. Trey Lyle, um, he's a pain in my rear end. Oh, wait, no, I'm a pain in his rear end because apparently I don't know his his Twitter handle from um, anyone else's, but it is at Trey Lyle VT at Fastlane. Ed Lane is where he resides. We don't need a plug, Ed. Just okay. keep going. Okay, okay. Um, what we will plug is a front stretch happy hour every single Tuesday night leading into Wednesday morning. Um, yourself, Dalton, Hop- Dalton Hopkins, and then a, a rotation between myself and Michael Massey. And then our fourth uh, special host this past week, we had TSJ's Noah Lewis on. So big thanks to Noah for coming on the program. Every single episode, I swear to God, guys, it gets better and better and better. So, so good. Um, last but not least, frontstretch.com slash uh, or youtube.com slash frontstretch for all of the latest from our on-track reporters. For Trey Lyle, I'm Brian Nolan. Have a great, great week. Have some fun at North Wilkesboro. Talk to you next week to recap it.